cut through mental biases to become more of who you are. Hi, thanks for listening. Hope you're well. This is PD at the Art of Self-Development. This podcast is for everyone who's interested in psychology, motivation, people skills, and other areas in which we can develop who we are for ourselves and for the people around us. Welcome to an episode on cognitive biases. Close relatives of fallacies that we discussed earlier. These two things are related. They can be found on different steps of the cognitive process and of our cognitive abilities. The main difference is logical fallacies have more to do with the way we process information on a higher cognitive level, whereas cognitive biases are really about the way we perceive things. There are mental shortcuts that we take to make quick snap decisions, which is not in itself a bad thing, because sometimes we need to do that. And this is kind of a remnant of the times when we were more often in danger physically and we needed to act. We needed to act fast, which now typically we have more time to do. Cognitive biases are things like maybe when you talk to other people, maybe you're giving a presentation or really you're just talking and you can become self-conscious and you think that everybody around you is very aware of every aspect of your performance and of your behavior, which is really nothing else than a projection of your own hyper-alertness, of your own sensitivity. And this is something that we call the spotlight effect. And it's something that we all know from personal experience. And if this is a common occurrence for you, chill out. Other people don't see the things you think they see. And an interesting way to check that would be to record yourself while presenting or while talking to people. Chances are when you watch the recording, you will see something very different from what you thought you would see. Another common example would be when you learn about something, you gain more knowledge and that thing becomes easier for you. You think that it is easy for other people too. And you actually start seeing the things that you don't know how to do about it. And you think that you're worse at it than you are. On the other hand, you may know a person or two who are not that smart or not that competent, but they think they're brilliant because their experience is not sufficient enough to show them how incapable they are. This is known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. Again, one of the more common and quite humorous bias. 
We have biases because they serve as shortcuts to our behaviors, to resolutions of problems. And there are several reasons why we use them. For example, we know that our attention is very limited. We cannot process all the information and we cannot do it all consciously. So what we do is we rely on these shortcuts based on our experience to deal with a situation in a simplified way. Maybe you've heard the phrase curse of knowledge. It very much applies for these biases because we act based on our past experience and our past dealing with situations and issues and problems. And it can be hard to put a stop to it, to sever the need or the cognitive shortcut to repeat how we dealt with situations in the past. Now, we mentioned the confirmation bias, which is kind of closer to a logical fallacy. And these two things really are not quite separate. In effect, they are related. The confirmation bias tells us that we will seek evidence of what we already believe. Now, for this one, you might want to go back to the logical fallacies episode. Let's just say that when you have two people with very different opinions or worldviews and they hear the same story, what they will come up with, what they will take away, are two very different things because they will cherry-pick for bits and pieces that will strengthen the belief that they have. They will not seek to learn something new. It's kind of like a game of telephone that we played as children. You can get an objective piece of information, but through the workings of the mind and of the biases that we have, at the end, we will come up with something completely different. Given enough steps, there will be nothing in common with the original information. Another important bias is the hindsight bias. And this is a very common one too, where when we look back at something that was not certain in the past, now we say, of course, that's what happened, as if there was no other choice. And an example of this could be elections, where you have two candidates and you really don't know, you're unsure and there's no way of knowing who will win. But when you're looking back, you will feel much more certain that the guy or the woman who got elected, of course they got elected. With the hindsight bias, there was really no other way. Another very useful to know bias is the anchoring bias. And this one says that we are influenced by the first information that we get. And this one is often used, for example, when naming the price of something you're buying or selling or it could be selling yourself 
in the amount of money you get in your salary. In that, when you have to negotiate your salary or a price of something, we are influenced by the first number that we will hear, even if it's an unrelated thing, even if it's not the salary or not the price that we are bargaining for. It'll be anchored in our minds to the things that we are discussing, and we will base the numbers that we choose closer to that number. Be aware of this when negotiating. It's a very insidious one. Another common bias is known as misinformation bias, or the misinformation effect. And what happens in this one is we believe that our memory is fixed. When we remember an event, we know exactly what happened and how it happened. And this is not true. Our memory is very flexible and it also has gaps or holes in it. So we don't remember the whole situation and some things are always different in our memory from what actually happened. This is why, for example, when there's been a crime and there are witnesses, policemen know and investigators know that they have to take the witness accounts as soon as possible. Because the more time passes, the more unreliable witness accounts are. And the witnesses will tell you things that they 100% believe are true, completely unaware of the differences in what they recount and in what actually happened. So, for example, when you're being questioned by the police about something that happened, and they ask you a specific question that can possibly lead you in some way. For example, was the car going very fast? Even though it wasn't, you're more likely to remember it as going fast, and you can remember seeing broken glass, for example, even though there was none because your memory has been altered in some way. And in fact, every time you retell something that happened, more changes will accrue to the memory being recalled. Another one to be aware of is the actor-observer effect. This has to do with the way we Think about what we do and what other people do in that, for example, if you succeed at something, if you achieve something great, you're much more likely to attribute the success to your own qualities. Whereas if it's somebody else, you will be much more ready to say that there was luck involved. On the other hand, if something bad happens, or if you fail at something, more likely than not, you will say to yourself and to everybody who would listen that it's not really your fault, it's somebody else's. Maybe it's the situation, something that happened that you couldn't control. Whereas, if somebody else had the same failure, 
you would say that that person is stupid or incompetent or just plain not good enough to do it. You would attribute the failure to the character in another person when you wouldn't do it in yourself. And this is a typical example of a bias that has the function of maintaining good self-esteem. So while it is technically inaccurate, the function that it has can make you more optimistic and more self-confident. So this is not always a bad thing. In fact, in the episode of the Mind Killer or ABC, this is one of the techniques that actually helps you be more optimistic. If you use it strategically and consciously, it is actually a good thing to a degree. Or another one is the halo effect, which is a principle that transfers one quality that we perceive in another person to something else. For example, an attractive person is more likely to be hired by a company and is more likely to be considered more competent, more able, more experienced, and generally a better employee than somebody who's not as attractive. And this is almost not the boss's fault or the recruiter's fault, because it's something that's built within us, but it's good to be aware of it. When we see an attractive person, we don't see them as they are. We are blinded by the halo that they're shining around themselves, and it will blind us to deficiencies or imperfections that they really have. Now, the last one that I will mention here is the availability bias. You may be watching the news and there is a report of crime that has been committed in your neighborhood. And when that happens, based on that, we are likely to form a belief that where we live, it's less safe than it actually is, or that there is more crime. It's like, before you buy a car, you almost never see the type of the car that you will buy. But after you've bought it, now you see it everywhere. And of course, the number of the cars hasn't really changed. What did change is your focus. And again, this is your focus that is based on the fact that you now own the car and your perception is different from another person who does not own this type of car. These are some of the most common cognitive biases, the mental shortcuts. So try to be more conscious of the biases in other people first, perhaps it can be easier, but do not focus on that, because the only real growth, the only real change and improvement is always in yourself. So don't do what sometimes people do, which is cultivate the ability to see the flaws in other people's perception or logical thinking. 
look at your own bias and see the things that you haven't seen before. Because while biases can be good for preserving our lives, they can help us get out of dangerous situations. They're not in any way good at opening you up to new possibilities or being creative, seeing new possibilities and new ways of living and doing things. This is why removing some of the biases that we have can really open our eyes and ultimately make our lives better. Whenever you hear yourself or another person saying things with too much certainty, too much black and white thinking, where what we say is too judgmental, too simple to be true, more likely than not, there are biases at work. So, see them for what they are and look for the new possibilities contained in them for new ways of thinking and a more objective view of the world. You are the sum total of your thoughts. Your thoughts create pictures which lead to your actions. Your actions create habits. Your habits create who you are. Who you are, in turn, determines what you can do. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Self-Development. If you think you got some value out of this episode, or you know someone you think might benefit from this podcast, tell your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or insights, write me at pdartofsd at gmail.com. Keep doing your part to enrich your life, and through your actions, leave the world better than you found it.